Hi there folks, this is Editing Scott here, just popping in to say this episode of Murray Musings does contain some discussion on the topic of domestic violence. If this is something that you would rather avoid listening to, please do just take note of the timestamps of the beginning and end of that discussion in the episode description just down below. Um, thank you very much for tuning in for yet another episode and we do hope you enjoy it. Welcome to another great episode of Murray Musings. We've got a special guest who's been on the pod before. We've got our wonderful co-hosts, Claire and Scott, here too. Claire and Scott, how are y'all feeling? Pretty good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, not, not too bad at all. I, 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 for, for me, I'm feeling, I'm feeling slightly light, less nervous than I was when we last recorded <laughs> with, our, with our guest today. Slightly, like only slightly, only slightly. Claire, how are you feeling? Are you feeling, are you feeling good about it? Yeah, about... I, I feel as nervous as I would if I had Andy Murray sitting. Oh, really? Wow, that's bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 our esteemed guest. That's uh, yes. it's, it's quite a big one. It's yeah. quite a big one. Yeah. This is yeah. This is this is your first time meeting our esteemed guest, like uh, in in person as well. It is. So yeah. And is... actually, I, I meant to say to you um before we started recording, it's very nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, nice to meet you too, Claire. <laughs> so if you could hear him chuckle, uh, we've now to introduce our great guest, friend of the pod, labeled as the Ronan Farrow of tennis, Ben Rothenberg. <laughs> Welcome to our. Welcome on our pod, Ben. Thank you, Peter. Um, I hope you enjoy your time here. How are we? How are we doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm excited to be back. Thank you for for giving me the chance to come back. Enjoy my first trip here. Scott definitely seems less <laughs> nervous than before. There've been no more blog posts or whatever written about how terrible I am by him in the last in the last intervening however six many months or something. Which sure makes it easier for him. But uh, but yeah, but uh, <laughs> it's it's um, nice to be back here. I mean, I, you know what? I, I, I made I made an effort, I made a concerted effort after uh, after our last podcast with, with Ben to to definitely to not send as much you know abusive tweets. And like Ben, let's be honest, like how many have you had from me since? I don't think so. I don't think many, right? Like, Probably not. Like, no. Like maybe like less than three, right? Like, you might still be have... muted for all I know, though. So I'm, I'm pro- not really sure. <laughs> understandably you know what understandably <laughs> understandably like we, we 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 saw we saw the numbers at our last episode with you did and we were like you know we, we got to get him back on anyway so like we got to yeah. have him back if if we if if we can so yeah and scott um, realized that the more abusive his tweets got the less likely you were to come back on that's so. what it is exactly right so i was like i need to just like tone i want you to share your true feelings though i mean like i said <laughs> those of you can't obviously can't see it at home scott is in his in his black turtleneck, looking like he's walked oh out of a Jean Luc Godard film or something, he's ready to show all sorts of feelings and emotion. This is not my regular wear, but you know what? Like this is like let's move on from my fashion. This is this okay. is not good. This is not good. Peter, do you want to take away with our first question? Yes, let's like, take it away right. and move on. Let's segue into uh, one of the first topics that I'd love to chat mm. about. Uh, so. Ben, you recently got the pleasure to speak to Marty Fish on your great pod, No Challenges Remaining. Can you speak about that a bit and his documentary on Netflix? Yeah, uh, I'd heard about this documentary coming out for a bit as part of this untold series of, of sports documentaries that they're airing on Netflix. It's like, I think, a four or five part series. Mm-hmm. And uh, Marty's interesting, though, because the first one was about like the Malice of the Palace Brawl, which was a famous NBA uh, fight that spilled over into the stands in, in Michigan. 
about 15 years ago. And, and yeah, so Marty, seeing Marty in there was interesting because Marty is relatively, as you think you can probably test Peter, relatively low-profile person uh, in mm-hmm. American sports. Mm-hmm. I don't think he re- ever came yeah. close to being a sort of household name, honestly, in, in U.S. sports compared to certainly Andy Roddick or the, maybe the big three that came after him or certainly the Williams sisters who were around at the same time as he was. Um, and so it was interesting seeing, first of all, I just love that, that, that Marty got a sort of chance to be a protagonist or be a main character in something after having always been, even within tennis, a bit of a supporting cast member, even when he was in the top 10 for a bit yeah. of, uh, in the late stages of his career. And yeah, and, and so I, I liked it from that point of view. And then I thought the documentary was was really well done and, and told, I'm, I'm guessing you guys have seen it, uh, is... is uh, yeah, told his story in a very compelling way. And even the parts that weren't, the, the sort of pitch of it, obviously, is about the mental health stuff, which is really only probably the last quarter or so of the documentary. The rest of it is largely just about his career and, and the pressures of it and being in the shadows of Andy Roddick and being, you know, close to the best but not quite there, that sort of gap. And I, I just, I like stories that highlight people away from the, the sort of best known characters of the sport who get, who soak up so much of the attention. And so that was the main reason, honestly, I liked the documentary, just getting to see the world of tennis through a Marty Fish lens, I thought was an interesting sort of uh, twist on it. And I would love to see mm. more things like that, um, if possible. Because I do think there are, that's one of the things I like about covering tennis is that everybody in the draws, you know, for at a slam, like all 256, say, singles players, men and women, each mm. have their own stories and each have their own unique, on some level, journeys or, or paths or experiences to tap into. And so I like the Marty Fish thing just for that that reason largely and then the mental health stuff obviously was compelling and and very timely with other conversations happening in sports and in tennis uh with naomi osaka this summer maybe especially yeah for sure i think it's it's an interesting one as well what you say there about um uh like the the person documentary where he kind of talks about like kind of like being in the shadows a little bit of like yeah your andy roddicks etc like um that's like a place that like the vast majority of professional tennis players even like the well-known ones um like feel all the time right like oh, yeah. the vast majority the vast majority of tennis players aren't winning grand slams and aren't you know aren't getting headlines and aren't you know <clears throat> uh, like front page news spreads etc etc so like for me it was like when it, yeah like those those parts of the documentary for me like stood out like wow like this is something that like surely you would imagine the vast majority of tennis players and like professional athletes generally must like yeah must be able to relate no, to I think some people overlook is that at a grand slam 50 percent of the players lose in the first 100%. round yeah like yeah it's just and 75 percent have lost do not make the third round you know like uh-huh. it's it's really the players that we sort of focus in on and not you know the title character of your podcast here but those are players <laughs> who are who are more known for making deeper runs and being around but for most people you know the sort of early disappointment or sort of having to settle for being somewhere in the middle is just a fact of life and not and obviously marty was uh not in the middle. I mean, he was, he was spent a lot of time at the top 30, let's say. Um, so he was an upper middle kind of player, but there is, but he was significantly not in that sort of elite class for very much of his Mm -hmm. career. He made the world tour finals once in 2011. Um, but other than that was usually not, you know, a top 10 player ever. And, uh, was away from the spotlight and wasn't the top American and things like that. So, yeah. So Mm -hmm. I thought that, I thought that part of it was good. And yeah, it would would be interesting to think of what a documentary, would be like though it's about some of the other people on tour and some of them could be great you know some might not be interesting but i would watch absolutely like a watch like a whole i don't know like gail monfils documentary or yeah. other players who are in that range who have and obviously monfils is more obviously charismatic um <clears throat> yeah. and, and 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 that sort of thing but there's lots of players pretty much anyone who's who's played a, a 
had a his life will have things to say or, or, or mm. a story to tell and their own ups and downs and things like that. It's pretty pretty guaranteed. Yeah. yeah I, I would love to do you know who I'd love to see a documentary made of? I would love to see Dustin Brown do a documentary. Mm, yes. I love him so much. Like I just think he's such an amazing player and when you when he gets interviewed and you hear the stories about how there's not very many slams that he goes to overseas yeah. because he just he can't can't afford to to fly over and take the whole team so they like have their mm-hmm. camper van and they drive around and do all all the tournaments in europe or the challenger yeah. it's like i would love to to see a documentary about that life on the road yeah. with dustin brown yeah yeah wow. when you said monfis that's exactly who i was thinking yeah I'd yeah i would also yeah. love to see a monfis documentary yeah. That would just oh, I mean, that would... be bad. <laughs> and Mar- Marty was sort of this interesting. Marty was in sort of this interesting sweet spot where he was around enough and played enough like big matches. There was a lot of footage of him available. Mm, like there was clearly um, was a pretty deep archive of Marty Fish uh, footage mm. that they were able to access. For Dustin mm. Brown, it might be a little trickier. You probably need more of a dedicated crew because he hasn't played as many televised matches and mm-hmm. like, big sure. courses yeah. and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, at least on the sort of you know documentary quality, he's played a lot of probably challengers with you know those sort of streams. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it, it's it was an interesting interesting thing, and I'm all for there being more, uh, you know, tennis documentaries. It seems to be a trend towards of them lately. Yeah, uh, yeah. the Osaka one that came out earlier this summer, mm-hmm. um, Murray one, which was great, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, and and so all for more t- tennis storytelling. I think can be good for the sport. And I, I haven't watched this F1 show that everybody's talking about how great it is. No, I've heard um, of that. No. Yeah, because yeah. you guys haven't either. But um, a lot of tennis players have watched it and are, are saying tennis, they, they want something like like it for tennis. They think it's a great way to, to make people care about the sport. So mm-hmm. yeah. I agree with that. It's, it's a question of getting access and funding for it and everything. But yeah, I'm all for tennis storytelling. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think uh, I think I think just like closing, closing on that. Topic, <laughs> it's like... Um, uh, the more the more people like in in tennis circles like you know uh, yeah Mar- Marty Fish wasn't like a you know huge like kind of like in the spotlight star but he was he did have a big enough profile obviously to have a you know Netflix series etc like just like more people more more people talking out in in a in a predominantly like single sport about uh, you know the impact on their mental health of competing at that level um I think yeah the, the more people who just continue to talk out about that kind of stuff can only be a positive thing right like it's uh, um yeah and you know like even 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 people who yeah like obviously naomi osaka and andy murray are like the two like big ones who have like you know had their documentaries but yeah like seeing someone like marty fish it's like kind of opens the doors a wee bit to like the kind of like mid-tier slash bottom tier like that like yeah of course like we we welcome your stories as well right so mm-hmm. um i think yeah I, I look forward to that too i look forward to more kind of uh, do- documentaries about players that we haven't had the chance to see as much of uh, in in the past so. there's a couple more coming i mean i think serena has yet another one in the works oh I for mean, sure oh. Like she's had like three or four, four right <laughs> yeah this would be like her this would be like her fourth probably she did yeah. one one with mm-hmm. venus and then and this is just mm-hmm. in the sort of modern era and then i guess there was like a reality show they did early in their careers which yeah, maybe you could sure. count as a documentary um and yeah, and so she's doing her fourth or fifth, however you want to count that. Although I feel mm-hmm. like we all kind of know Serena. That's like a little bit less, mm-hmm. unless it's something very unexpected. Who knows? But it's also interesting timing because she has not played very much at all in the, no. in the filming window of, of this documentary. So mm. um, it could be structured fairly differently or have a lot more at-home shots. because, of, And it's also filmed during COVID, which is going to make it tricky, I'm sure. For sure. Um, and yeah, and then I, there have been 
there was for a while talks of a Djokovic documentary. I'm not sure what that's. I think there was one that was being filmed and then got scrapped, and maybe I don't know if it got resurrected or if it there's a whole yeah. new project. But I think Djokovic is also potentially having yeah. having something as well. Um, yeah, it has to be depending on again depends on how much the person wants to give and how much mm. and how much control or not they have over it mm. um mm. from a sort of journalistic level it's it's tough to know like how what the right balance is mm-hmm. i don't yeah. know if you saw like peter maybe you're more likely to see this it's probably more of an american story but there's like uh alanis morissette documentary that's coming out mm. this year that she like disowned because she was unhappy with how um i guess the framing of it she or what it focused on or didn't focus on and she felt yeah. betrayed by the filmmakers or something which mm. honestly makes me this may sound bad like more excited to see it if it's something that's like that she's it's everything still I, I the people who made the movie have a good reputation and yeah. stuff so it's and she gave plenty of on, it's all on record interviews from her but she, she doesn't like how it's you know what it focuses on or not i, I think sometimes things get too controlled and, and too mm. sanitized and certainly you could see that with like the last serena documentary the mm. hbo one she which was produced by img which is one of her management yeah. companies like it, it's it's very carefully packaged and makes her look a certain way that's very uh intentional in a way that's not very organic or journalistic so yeah i'm biased towards the more yeah more I, journalistic I, stuff i feel like a Djokovic or federer or nadal documentary would be exactly that i feel like it would just be a total pr <coughs> team effort managed mm. down to the most minute detail and there would be nothing there'd be nothing raw in it like even mm. you know like I, I actually watched resurfacing again um the other night just because i had i had loads of work to do and i was like oh, i'm just gonna put andy on in the background worst decision ever because i was bursting <laughs> into like little random <laughs> sobs every three minutes <laughs> and him um, you know like even even in his documentary where it was like he was filming things on his phone from under under his covers and stuff i don't mm. think you would get that with like federer or Djokovic and nadal i i just feel like yeah. it, would, it would all be so streamlined and and perfect and almost mm. painting yeah. the picture of exactly what their team believe people want to and should see when actually what people really want to see is the raw reality of what their life is like yeah well, I forgot there was a Sharapova documentary actually that was very, very produced that came out at some point. Oh, um, there was a Sharapova documentary, really? I'm yeah, I, I almost completely blocked it out because it was so useless. But it, yeah. it did come out at some point. I think when she was coming back from her ban, I want to say. And yeah, it was ve- it was very, oh, wow. very IMG and very sort of yeah, yeah, soft focused. Yeah. I also don't remember it that well, but I remember being watching it, being like, "This is stupid." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I can picture that. They did have a couple Speaking interesting of clips of her of like her. Like being like nervous before she made her statement, her mm. her public announcement and stuff. So there's a couple interesting mm. things there, but yeah, for the most part, meh. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of packaging, um, Sam Curry's <coughs> Samurai's his fans. Um, oh, wait, sorry, actually, sorry, apparently... can I just wait? What do they huh? call themselves? Uh, samurai's will... uh, his fans. <laughs> I don't know if y'all remember them, but they were this. in the stands. I had no idea. Um, this was an era like 15 years ago. U.S. tennis had a lot of like yeah, clubs. So a lot of <laughs> there was the J block uh, for James fans. Blake. There was the samurai. Oh, <laughs> there was like the yeah. what, what's the fish one? It was like the fish tank or the fish bowl or something like that. This makes a muzzle farm just question. like not even. Like, I mean, they were like amazing. they were small. They were small. It was like yes. the J block was like six or fifteen so guys who were, who have like a yes. who get like a suite <laughs> at Arthur Ashe Stadium. They'd be like in one cluster. It was more like the, like in more modern times. It was like 
genie army. Remember the genie oh, army? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, it was yeah, more yeah. that vibe. Yeah. Less yeah. lusty, uh, probably, but you know, <laughs> yeah, same vibe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm so I'm sorry, sorry, Peter. I just I just thought I'd hear you wrong there. No, you're fine. You're fine. Um, yeah, but two of the samurais so, made the movie though. Yeah. <laughs> And I think they definitely handled his story with care. Um, what I do want to go into was um, a comment that Patrick McEnroe made mm. saying that uh, Marty had a horrendous performance yeah. in one of his matches. Um, and so uh, one of our friends, uh, Owen from Tennis and Bagels mm. podcast, uh, said uh, that there were quite a few things that um, were uh, said. Um, and, uh, he said, um, this, uh, comment could, uh, could well have helped, uh, Marty Fish avoid uh, an awful chapter in his tennis career in life if it wasn't said, or at least made things a bit easier on his anxiety. Um, being blunt is an effective method in writing about tennis. Um, and Owen says it's one of my favorite techniques to read, actually. Uh, sometimes nothing is more informative than a short, simple sentence that doesn't hold back, but a horrendous performance lies dangerously close to the realm of the brutal, where players' minds can be negatively affected. Too often, athletes are dismissed for bringing up their very real strain of the public eye, not to mention the dumpster fire of social media. Facts don't care about your feelings is a common sentiment these days, but as tennis fans, we would do well to state facts that are mindful of players' feelings. Maybe it should be a responsibility of the press to support players as well as simply covering them. After all, we would have nothing to write about without the players. So how do you feel about uh, that sentiment and that statement? Mm. It's tricky because I... And Marty sort of agreed in the in the in the match that he didn't play a good match and whatever that Miami mm -hmm. match was against I forget who he was losing to, Quavis or something I forget exactly who who he, someone someone he probably should that probably I don't think it's Quavis but someone was Juan Monaco, Juan Monaco okay sure, um, and yeah and so yeah I actually had this experience with Marty himself this is what this is actually a sort of a formative very early on tour from experience in 2012, I tweeted something about how. Um, it was I was at Perth for the Hotman Cup. It was one of the first tournaments I covered for the Times, and it went okay. to the 2012 Hotman Cup. And Marty was there. He's on a team with Bethany Maddock Sands uh, mm. at that point uh, for the U.S. And I tweeted something, I, and I've been on Twitter, you know, for year a couple years at that point. Um, I tweeted something about how like a lot of the players, like all the players, were pretty much giving full effort. So they like it looked like maybe Marty was like you know playing a bit ex more exit than the others, and Marty got so upset by this. And like oh. found me like it was like sort of like screaming at me in the hallway about it. Oh, and oh wow, it was really far. It was really instructive to me yeah. um, early on of being like, "Hey, these guys are reading what you're writing." He didn't follow me on Twitter, but he's mm. I'm sure he's like searching his name and 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 stuff like that, or someone shows it to him or something. And B that they're really they can be really sensitive about stuff. Um, yeah. And for Marty, it was. Um, uh, I, I, it was also in 2012 it was when he was starting to have his unbeknownst to me or anybody it was starting to have more of the severe anxiety issues and and mm. mental health struggles and stuff like that so i'm sure that didn't he wasn't in a great place mentally which i had no idea um yeah. before then and and yeah but your sort of sensitivity can go up and down and you just never really know what is going to pierce your armor mm. on any given day this goes for all sorts of people i mean obviously professional sure. athletes but also anyone who's on 
who's in the world or in, in social media, there were, you know, myself included, like I get tons of, of nasty comments, not just from Scott, but from other people too. And, <laughs> and, and you, I mean, you don't know like when something is actually going to like sting more than, than others. It's not necessarily, it can be yeah. when you don't expect it or when you're just not in a great place, you know, mentally or emotionally from, for whatever other non Twitter related reasons. And, yeah. and yeah. And so that's something to be cognizant of just interacting with people or talking to people online. Mm. Um, for sure there yes there is also a degree of care of like of learning how to how to deal with it and how to process it on the receiving end um mm. and and not and trying it's much, so much easier said than done like not looking or not reading comments or not searching for your own name or whatever um mm. even if those things can't seem self-inflicted it is much easier said than done um so yeah so it's uh it's 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 tricky but also at the same time like i do think things that stick to like an athlete's sort of performance i think i think are relatively above board like if someone plays a bad match i think yeah. it's fine to say they played a bad match you know and mm -hmm. in, in, in make it oh, yeah. slightly more colorful language like within some levels of taste like i think is is okay that's sort of you know they're put, the athlete is putting themselves out there with this performance it's what their job is to perform well and if they fall mm -hmm. short of that and, and to be talked about in that way um I think has to be sort of on the right side of whatever the line you draw is. Uh, and this goes to like, what was sort of interesting about the Naomi Osaka stuff this summer, which happened since I was last on here. And we're going to talk about her later, but mm. I think it's a little relevant now. But what was surprising is that like her, you would think if she was feeling like overexposed or stressed or something in terms of her media persona, what she would be citing would be something about, you know, I don't know, like feeling the burden of like having taken the mantle of, black lives matter stuff or police brutality or or you know mixed race identities in japan or all these other sort of weightier tougher off topic off court topics um mm. for her but what she was saying is what she didn't like is people talking about her clay court record being less impressive mm. and 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 coming after losses and that was sort of surprising to people i think media people because like that's very relevant to you know that doesn't feel at all out of bounds like that's like mm. oh hey like your clay court results you've said you want to be better and they're not quite there like how are you working on that those were the kind of questions that she found felt were wounding um which is sort of tougher i feel like to to work around in some ways than you know a situation an extreme situation like you know <clears throat> venus williams in wimbledon 2017 who was just in a fatal car accident and didn't want to talk about that um yeah. okay like that's more clearly not directly related to your to the tournament you're at currently um, mm -hmm. and something about, yeah. you know, Naomi losing on clay or coming in on a losing streak and, and how do you, how are you going to bounce back? Like that, that felt, those sorts of topics feel very much in bounds and, and being yeah. an ESPN commentator like Patrick McEnroe, who just called a match and saying that was a bad match by Marty or horrendous feels, mm. you know, feels okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it feels like at least the concept of someone saying something like that, like that was a, a subpar match from Marty feels much more in bounds than. Yeah. Something that's that's uh, not related to their on-court performance. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. I imagine, and I think even Marty said that because uh, Patrick was his uh, Davis Cup captain, like it just hurt, you know, from somebody that he respected, um, saying, "Hey, you yeah. know, you didn't play well." It's sort of a downside of the incestuous nature of of tennis and broadcast and all uh -huh. the conflicts mm. of interest. Certainly, that Marty would have dealt with in his career. You know, Mar uh, Patrick being head of U.S. State player development and also Davis Cup captain and also being uh -huh. an ESPN commentator. And his he was sort of buddies-ish with uh, Justin Gimmelstab, who was also a commentator. 
and I don't think they put it in the documentary, but Kimmelstow had some sort of like critical things to say, as I recall, about Marty when he pulled out of the U.S. Open, uh, mm. the sort of climactic moment of this uh, documentary when he pulled out with the with the anxiety issues. And, and yeah, it's, it's tricky when, yeah, when you think people are, when you're friends with the commentators, but they are still, it is still their job to to call things and say, see them somewhat. And a lot of times the commentators hold back in those situations, so I don't think it's good either uh, yeah. to protect their friendships. Um, I'm all for more independence there. But yeah, it's mm. uh, it's tricky and you just never know what's going to affect people. And it's not always strictly, to use this word, like rational, you know, like some people, yeah. you might, some people might have things that are smaller that, that bother them more and you just never know from, from the outside what a person mm. will will or won't be uh sort of wounded by yeah i guess i guess also you don't like as i mean as, as somebody who's <coughs> undoubtedly asked like i vast majority of tennis players like a, a lot of tennis players like some hard-hit questions i guess you also don't want to feel like you're kind of like holding back from like asking like a question that might you know get a really good answer or get a really good you yeah. know like get a really like insightful answer you know um and I, I i feel like if you're if if you're working as a, a, a journalist just generally like to feel like you're you're having to kind of like walk on eggshells and so in terms of like you know asking certain questions it must kind of feel a bit like restraining in terms of like sitting down to ask a question yeah. of a tennis player and you're yeah you're not quite sure what how, how they'll react so i can yeah I, I, I guess i can yeah totally understand the kind of uh, trepidation that comes with that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, no, I imagine that's a that's a tough challenge. And especially, um, you would get you get people that are reading your reports or you know listening to post match analysis, and if you're mm-hmm. sugarcoating what you're saying about the, if it was a truly bad performance, if you're sugarcoating the performance, or you're sugarcoating your questions that you'd ask him, like you said, for example, there being about Naomi's issues being questioned around her performance on clay court and how she can improve on that and that's what she didn't like Mm. if she's gone out and had a really bad result on clay and and you don't ask the question what are you going to do next people will be like why why are they not asking that question over it yeah it must Mm. be it must be really difficult to try and find the balance to not because like, you know like you said you if you've got a relationship with that person you don't want to upset the apple cart and you, you want to maintain that relationship but at the same time there has to be a bit of respect on both sides that you both have a job to do and yeah. it's part of your job is to ask slightly difficult mm. questions if the other yeah. person hasn't perhaps played the way that they would expect themselves to or, or usually do yeah. yeah 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 you're not yeah. doing your job if you're trying to like sugarcoat things to the point of mm. where you can't get any of the actual flavor of what just happened or you know or you're just trying to keep the player all you're doing is trying to keep them happy and that's honestly not mm. you know, my job description to keep players happy as much as i'm not ever trying to be intentionally mean or, or cruel mm. you know like there i remember one time, it was actually after he lost the, I guess the big Wimbledon final. He had the twenty nineteen one against Djokovic. Federer was impressed, and I mentioned something about how he had won. I don't know, like eleven or twelve more points total in the match or something. I forget exactly mm. what the number was. Maybe it was less than that uh, than Djokovic. And he looked sort of like <laughs> he looked thrilled to hear that stat in that moment that he'd won so many more points, but still lost the Wimbledon final. <laughs> um, but like also, he I think he sort of he sort of you know shook it off like and i think Federer actually has, has spoken about this he is like a really and he's obviously a unique guy in a lot of ways but it's a really sort of 
really effective way of handling the losses in mm. post-loss press is that he like goes in there after much time, like talks about the match, like uses the press conference as almost sort of like not a therapy session, but as a way to sort of process it, think about it, talk about it, try to understand what happened better, and yeah. then uh, and then lets it go, and then sort of it's, it's like okay, and now it's not time to move on. Like you walk out of that mm. press room and you do your part, and that's obviously a, a tougher thing to to achieve than than yeah. that. But yeah, he's 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 talked about that previously as, as using the post loss press as as a moment to sort of like unpack or process and then and then move on from the defeat yeah. you just had yeah I, I can imagine you asking that question and he's just like didn't need to hear that <laughs> yeah pretty, that's pretty much the reaction pretty much yeah so you know there, there but lots of players lots of players are really insightful in post-loss press and like for this sure, whole sort sure. of like it's again skip ahead maybe a bit more osaka conversations but like mm. there are lots of players who are really you know open and revealing and interesting in post-loss press with murray you know i, I asked him the question <laughs> after his loss to shapovalov in wimbledon this year and he mm. after i've been fine then he sort of launched into this whole like i don't know if i can keep playing kind of answer yeah, i remember out, out of yeah. out of sort of out of which everyone afterwards was like what because he'd been not saying that at all yeah in the first like yeah. i don't know eight or nine answers of press conference and then i would try to end on like a positive note and he's like yeah. nope let's be let's go way dark here so uh yeah, yeah but so but so you know that's still revealing and interesting and and mm. So Player, you were the lost, one they're... that made us like go through that trauma of that. It was Andy. I mean, it was Andy's choice. Uh, he didn't was, to take was, was. the question there. But like, I had all these people. Like, all, it was interesting because it happened pretty late. It was a nightish yeah, yeah, match. Yeah. That Shapovalov match it was. It quick, was. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was late. And so all these people who were like written their sort of stories, those mm. British writers, who was at Wimbledon this year. We're like, oh crap! Now I gotta like rewrite it to sort of like rewrite end everything, with like yeah. the last or like how like you know how final is that? And he's kept playing on and stuff, so it's obviously wasn't yeah. the sort of like retirement yeah. announcement that it almost came off as in no, real time. No. But um, yeah, yeah, it was uh, yeah. it was quite a moment. But yeah, but those are sorts of things that you get. Those are mm. extreme examples, maybe, but that you can get insights after after losses, and, and losses mm. are a huge part of the sport. Like we were saying earlier, like fifty percent of players lose in the first round, like. You can't yeah. pretend the losses aren't a big, big part of the job, and learning how to handle losses is a massive part of yeah. of being a tennis player mm-hmm. successfully. Yeah. Well, that's it. You ultimately you're probably going to lose more than you win. The, oh, the majority, yeah. the majority of tennis players. Oh, sure. So yeah, yeah, you have to get yeah. used to it, don't you? I mean, I am used to losing when I play tennis, so I can get used to it. <laughs> the professional British professionals can get well. used to it as well. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, um, I think, uh, at, at this point in the podcast, we kind of wanted to, yeah, move on to a slightly, a slightly more serious topic that we actually talked about the last time when you were on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously the, uh, the, the Olya Sharipova story, uh, a big story that, um, that you've, you've covered in two separate articles, uh, the initial one for, uh, Racket Magazine, uh, which came out how how long ago was that then? That <laughs> was came that... out first week in November. Uh, wow! Uh, and then yeah. uh, the follow up has just uh, it's just recently been released, and obviously it's a very very serious, uh, very very serious like sequence of 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 articles. Um, I was I was super curious, like how like so that that length of time between the two articles, um, and I saw so so many people in the replies to you on Twitter. Um, kind of asking when that second article was coming and you always had to just reply with similar kind of I'm not sure it'll be coming soon it'll be coming soon it'll be coming soon I'm not sure I'm not sure 
how was that? How 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 was that kind of weird? Like what uh, what was going on there? If if you're allowed to talk about it, of course. Yeah, I can talk about uh, that. I mean, yeah, yeah, that that's that was definitely frustrating. I think even on this show, I remember talking through mm, about they're, yes. they're talking, getting asked about that. Yeah. Um, which was I think we did this show back in March. I want to say so. Yeah, it, I think it was, at that yeah. point, it had already been a while mm, um, yeah. since the first one. It was never the intention. The intention was uh, to do them both in November of yeah. last year. Uh, that mm. I read through on Twitter stuff. My family health issues and stuff that sort of derailed that a bit. And then the tennis calendar, trying mm. to once once it gets derailed, delayed a decent bit, then it's about finding like good timing for it on some level, mm-hmm. like um, and also finding a home for it and finding and making sure everyone in terms of edit editors and and myself mm-hmm. and and interviews and reporting and subjects and everyone sort of like is, is is sort of able to to get on you know in line for it yeah. um and, then, and that didn't really come in terms of getting all those things to fall in place until maybe like late july mm. um and so uh before definitely before the olympics um cause the olympics yeah. did wind up you know changing Sarah's profile um a yeah. bit in terms of him winning the gold there and beating Djokovic, stopping the golden slam at the time and and yeah so um yeah so it was it was it was definitely frustrating to have to have it take that long it was definitely i've not had that happen mm-hmm. before with a story um that was relatively close i mean had versions of retracts were written you know by early mm-hmm. february um yeah but that it went, went up changing a lot in structure and a little bit in content but mostly in structure uh for the last mm-hmm. version um but the, the sort of main crux of it was already there in yeah. in February and if not earlier than that, um, mm. and it was a lot longer too. There was there were much there were long, versions that were almost like twice as long that were out there, so a lot of stuff got cut. Um, but anyway, yeah, it, it was it was it was. I think I said this on Twitter too, but it was both frustrating not to have answers for that, and eventually I just stopped answering. It's like I don't know. I'm not gonna. I tried putting dates on it previously, like oh I hope it'll be out, yeah. you know, before the Australian Open. I was saying at some point, and then that and that didn't happen, and it didn't come out before Miami, which is the next sort of goal. Mm. Then uh, then I just was like I I'm not gonna put a timeline on this. I don't know. Um, no. And, and so, uh, but I definitely wanted it out. I, I had this huge sense of having unfinished business mm. with the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, and so it was very, very relieved when it, when it finally uh, came out. That was a big, uh, yeah, big relief to, to have that finally done. And I, and I appreciated, as much as it was frustrating not having answers for people, I did appreciate the whole time that people, you know, cared and yeah. were invested in the story and wanted to see it finished and completed mm-hmm. and thought it was important that it get done um yeah I th- that so that was that was heartening as as to mix with the with the frustration yeah for sure because i think initially you said that it was actually all you who wanted to do it over two pieces is that right like you you were yeah. thinking maybe it would be it would happen in in, in just one one piece but there was so right much information she wanted she didn't want to tell her story all at once that was very mm-hmm. that was sort of her one like um condition i guess um, which was unusual, but also like understandable a bit because she'd go into a lot of detail and stuff. And the first interview took more than two sure. hours and stuff, yeah. um, and so I understood her wanting to have a bit of a bit of uh, space. <laughs> space there it was unusual for sure. No, and I'm still um, and but uh, but yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, how how have you felt like in that in, in intervening time? Obviously, you've already kind of referred to Zverev's success on the court, his continued success, the mm-hmm. fact that there's uh you know uh not as far as as we can see we we've talked about it a few times um off off the record just while getting ready to 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 record like there um uh, he's uh, he's still there uh, and he's still you know uh as far as we can see there's no kind of 
real kind of like impact on him uh, at all. He's playing an event currently, the Labour Cup. Who like like that's the event, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and he's continued to, uh, you know, be very 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 successful in tennis court. Um, which I'm I'm aware must be like hugely kind of. Uh, uncomfortable for for yourself it's definitely uncomfortable for us as tennis fans to like watch it watch him continue to succeed um like so what yeah what what are your kind of thoughts watching him continue to like kind of you know uh, dominate world tennis really like i would i would disagree with that a bit i mean i'm not i would say that i'm not really bothered by his success no i don't no i don't i don't think so i'm not i'm not it's not important to me that he loses or that he doesn't win okay. things I, I think it does sort of magnify i mean that's not really what the story mm. is ever about I, I i i think that it does sort of make it more uncomfortable for the sport when he's doing things like yeah. winning gold medals and and playing in mm-hmm. big matches the US Open came close to being Djokovic the u.s open again too in a sort of big mm-hmm. friday night session semi-final um yeah. i think those are uncomfortable moments for the sport but i i also don't think that like him losing is ever the issue or winning or losing is ever really what makes the story worse or better per yeah. se. Like I, I think that, and I've, I've seen that from people who have been um, people who are on the more, how do I phrase this? More upset by the story or think the story is important who are like happy, who are relieved, you know, when he like loses at Wimbledon to Felix in the fourth round um, or when he loses or doesn't, when he loses period, whenever he's like out of contention for a tournament because yeah, I understand that if there are people who feel uncomfortable watching him, I fully mm. understand that, and and yeah. and who but who do like watching tennis and don't want to see, you know, don't want to not be able to enjoy a U.S. Open final or a, mm. a gold medal match or whatever it may be in the sport. Um, so I, I do get that, but I, I also think that like him winning or or losing, yeah, to the actual sort of my hope for the story, to the extent I have one, is that I I want there to be a sign that people know it and, and take it seriously yeah um and on an institutional level as well in terms of the sport um that the atp does sort of acknowledge these claims and mm. uh probably launch an investigation of some kind i think would be appropriate um mm. i don't know if zero when you're losing impacts that decision or not uh yeah. but it just seems like it's it's been for a year now almost like it's Olya came out with well about 11 months she came out with her first, first statements about in late october of last year yeah. So about 11 months ago now, um, and ATP still has not formally acknowledged them, while clearly being obviously aware of them, but yeah. but it, the lack of sort of, yeah, the lack of uh, addressing it, I think it's left it a sort of an open wound for the sport, um, mm. which has been, uh, yeah, which is, which is yeah. not pleasant. No, that's fair. Like, I, 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 re- I remember, like, one quote specifically that I saw from someone that I think actually probably summarized your thoughts quite well. Um from from someone on twitter of course because everything happens on twitter um that was that said like he's already kind of winning anyway just by stepping foot on the tennis court continuing to like play like just like so yeah like literally his results don't matter because he's still you know like he's still kind of you know out there anyway so it doesn't like i just i just don't think the results change it too much either way i mean yeah Yeah, like it it did it did actually amplify the story a lot when he won the Mm. gold medal you know that was the story got shared more on on social media at that point it was the racket story which was gosh like probably like nine months old at that point Mm. um got 
shared on social media that week or that weekend probably as much if not more than ever before when it first came out because mm -hmm. people were talking about Zverev and, and it wasn't the story changed it was his profile changed and mm -hmm. went up and he had a bigger spotlight on him and and that's you know when there's more light on him that's what sort of people what people catch, latch on to is, is that side of it um so yeah so in terms of how it affects him or not i mean that would be more for him to answer um yeah. I, I do there are things like he does not last according to my reporting at least does not have like a current clothing sponsor uh that's paying okay. him which is um he's still wearing his clothes but his contract lapsed from what we what we've heard uh mm -hmm. late in the end of, okay. end of 2020 and so for to be a top five player and not be making money off a clothing contract it's very rare um especially mm. on the men's side and yeah so that would be a negative impact for him for sure um assuming that is related to this, which I don't know that it is, but it would seem likely. So yeah, so so there are um, yeah possible impacts for mm -hmm. him. But uh, yeah, but at the same time, yeah, he is continuing to play on and continuing to to get invited or a, a, a showcase the Labor Cup, let's mm -hmm. say. It's yeah. a little, Labor Cup's a little bit in between, whether it's invitational completely or you can mm -hmm. kind of get in on your ranking. Um, but yeah, so it, it's, it's an interesting sort of in-between. Yeah. I I want I, I really want people to to look at it from a different angle in that a lot of people I've seen a lot of people saying things whether it's directed at you Ben or it's in response to people who have shared the article that he just hates Verev he just wants to bring him down he wants to trash him and I I desperately want people to stop looking at it from that angle and look at it from the angle that you are allowing a woman to have a voice who perhaps was scared to speak out previously. So it's not about it's not about pulling him down and it's not about trying to actively negatively impact him. It's about someone being brave enough to speak out and showing other women who have perhaps been in a similar situation that they can have a voice as well and I, I feel like it's really important for people to try and look at it from from that angle and when when people call her a gold digger and a liar it, it's just it as, as a woman myself it absolutely crushes me that someone could stand up and say this happened to me and people go oh well he's a golden boy though so stop trying to negatively impact his career stop making it about him and let's focus on the fact that she's been brave enough to to stand up and actually say this happened to me and she doesn't want anything for it she she just yeah. wants the truth um and i think that's incredibly brave and and I, I wish that that could be people's focus that she's been brave enough to to do that and i i want to ask you like how how is she like do do you feel that speaking to you about what has and i'm going to say allegedly here just so no one gets into mm -hmm. any trouble but mm. do you feel like it's helped her by talking to you about what has allegedly happened to her i hope so um obviously it was her choice to speak about this and she came out publicly with it um with the accusations before i spoke to her um on on social media and she had a couple other shorter interviews um one in russian and one very brief one with cnn um the web cnn website um before I, she sat down with me and then, then after we did ours and it was much more in depth and it was in person and stuff. And I think then she sort of 
felt um, like that was could be sort of her saying her piece, and that was one line that got cut from the story. She said something like, "Okay, I'm going to sit down and say the rest of the story, and then I'm going to like move on with the rest of my life and like get it out there and then be done." And I think she's pretty much been able to, from what I can tell, largely do that. I mean, she's still, um, as I mentioned in the story, you know, she's seeing a therapist or psychologist um, to deal with sort of processing this and and the sort of lingering impacts it has on her and her attempts to have you know future relationships and and be able to trust people again um Mm -hmm. and so that's sort of that that's sort of still a a journey that she's on um but yeah but i do think that it hopefully yeah it's been helpful to to her to have this sort of peace and and yeah and and definitely i agree with it's sort of the story is is more about especially the first story is more about her it's it's literally called Olya's story i mean Mm -hmm. like it's it's centering her and it goes a little bit not really but to like the marty fish sort of topic like there's all these other people on tour who have their own lives that are are full and have difficulties and complexities that we just sort of overlook and and in tennis there's a lot of people on the sort of supporting teams whether it's staff or, or families or girlfriends boyfriends whoever it may be or children um who are affected by these by the tour machinery as well and um and this was a chance to sort of spotlight someone who had been on the periphery of that sort of view of it um uh and and to give her um a voice yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 i think uh, yeah. it's it's interesting what you said there claire about you know uh people uh people people have yeah slung all sorts of insults at her um calling her a, a gold digger among a lot of other oh there's much, been some awful worth, yeah awful much, yeah much, much worse things um which is um is is truly truly crazy because like you know like she's not she's repeatedly said to herself in uh, and multiple times quoted in the article like she yeah she doesn't actually want anything from this like at all yeah. like uh, she's uh, she's never wanted anything from it she's it not just, pressing charges she's not like doing any of these things that you it know, just kind of like, shows how people will attack anyone for anything in some level yeah. in, in terms yep. of this in terms of impugning motives in these sorts of cases and trying to discredit mm. uh accusers or victims or women or whatever the group you want to parse it may be you know like i i've gotten a couple other people approach me with different other stories of of abuse from athletes and or people in tennis and outside tennis after this. And there's one, um, which I don't know if I'll ever do anything on, but one where it already involves a sort of uh, lawsuit, a sort of civil suit against an athlete. And the uh, accuser is asking in the end for like basically millions of dollars in damages as part of a civil suit, which is normal in a civil suit Mm. in this sort of relationship, but also makes it easier for people who are detractors to say, oh, but there, she's just in it for money. Um, Whereas Olya's not asking for anything. No. But people no. are still saying, like, oh, she's doing yeah. it the wrong way. And, oh, yeah. she should, you know, go. And people have a lot of very strong opinions about how she should react to something that happened to her. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think is just a lot of disconnect with the issue and how it actually plays out. And a lot of unfamiliarity with yeah. these sorts of issues. Because people react to these things in very different ways. In ways that don't always make um, obvious sense to outsiders, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But ways that people who have been around these sorts of issues... Uh, recognize as being very sort of familiar patterns and, and very common uh, responses, actually. That's one of the things, a couple, you know, in the reaction of people who are, this is the first sort of story about these sort of issues that I've ever written, um, or mm-hmm. truly in this depth. Um, people who are much more familiar with it say that it has like a lot of, you know, hallmarks of the sort of classic signs or cl- patterns in yeah. these sorts of things that uh, people who have a bigger picture understanding of these issues uh, can recognize. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, what, what, one thing I did want to quickly ask as well about this is, 
uh, I think you briefly mentioned that there was a line that got got cut from from the article. Um, have you have you have you heard from her like since the article's been published? Uh, like is is d- does it feel like she is able to kind of move on from this at all, or is there kind of still kind of um a lot a lot playing around playing around in her mind because i guess i guess a hope for 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 her is that she is able to now you know kind of she's told her story and she's kind of said that she kind of wants the truth from him she wants him to admit to it but it doesn't Mm -hmm. certainly doesn't look like that's ever going to happen so um yeah do you get the sense that she will be able to kind of like move on now move on with the rest of her life and kind of you know kind of to, to to for one of them overcome this kind of yeah, I haven't had that conversation with her, honestly. No. Um, in terms okay. of like how she's sort of, mm. it's still only I this episode this sorry this this uh, article came out right on the eve of the U.S. Open, so I was relatively yeah. busy right after it came out. Um, mm. And and she's you know going on living her her life and and, mm. and stuff, and so I I have not sort of debriefed with her too much on her no, sort no. of feelings about it. Um, I do obviously she um, yeah she knows it's out. Uh, and stuff and, yeah. and i'm sure she knows that and so to the extent that offers her some closure uh she has that although yeah it's it's uh not necessarily a tidy you know yeah bookend for everything either yeah um yeah. but yeah but i hope i hope she's she's doing well i but i haven't i have not talked to her about that no that's fair. yeah that's fair. to offer her closure <clears throat> is i think one of the best things and mm. in the closing um part of your article she says many girls in this situation are silent they don't speak about it because they're afraid of comments that it's not true and stuff like that i just wanted to show that it's not hard to speak about it it already happened in real life you already lived it you know that you said the truth you know that you're not a bad person and you didn't deserve this and i thought that was really yeah. really powerful yeah. absolutely absolutely yeah um and that's something that she said that sorry when things that got cut from the article she was struck by in the time between our interviews um how people reached out to her you know how people who had been in similar situations including people in her own life who, who she knew who she had no idea had ever been any through any similar similar uh situations but she women she'd known for yeah. years um friends mm-hmm. of hers older people in older generations or hers telling their own sort of stories to her and she was really struck by that and i'm sure she still continues to be and and uh appreciates the uh yeah that it, it resonates with people and that was what she said i was mm. t- t- talking about her motives that she said was her whole motive the whole time was yeah. to to tell to tell her story and have people to hear it not that she wanted anything in terms of punishment for him or consequences for him um but yeah just to or, or some sort of compensation um yeah just just to get her, her story out there I guess uh, for yeah for what it's worth I think we 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 all think that the the article you did a really good job on it then yeah. like you did like it was uh, both both the articles like really kind of uh, nice and concise and I know like yeah I think we did briefly touch on it but yeah Claire's question earlier was was really great and kind of alluded to the fact that you've uh, yeah you you got a fair amount of people telling you that you were biased so you weren't the right person to cover this story um and uh, yeah you, you you shouldn't have done this because you had some kind of agenda against Verif. um i mean for... yeah yeah i obviously don't agree with that I have an agenda <laughs> yeah. against Verif. and if, I, if the story was written with it's, it's just a way to sort of take down Verif. it would be a very different story yeah. there's lots of stuff you know that yeah, someone exactly could put right, in there yeah. to try to discredit Verif. Sure. that's not in there it's, it's tried to stay pretty tight to the um to mm. the to the within the boundaries of this of this story yeah. um yeah but i also just don't know you know who else would do it i, I oftentimes yeah. and honestly in terms of tennis reporting or investigative 
journalism and tennis like feel mm. relatively alone out here yeah. mm-hmm. doing it like yeah. i just don't think there's that many people and obviously i was in this specific, specific case well well positioned geographically kind of mm. when she was in new jersey uh for the first interviews to do them in person there um yeah. I'll, I'll be it during a pandemic um but yeah uh it yeah i i just don't know who else is supposed to be doing things because mm-hmm. you sort of the follow-on you know reporting which i think is the next step for people um sort of to get better for people to get a better understanding of what the sort of tenor of the conversation about this story mm. is and these accusations is on the tour i think it's some people really don't understand or appreciate uh mm. in terms of the public um i don't have a full understanding of necessarily either because it's been isolated from players but what i heard from players is you know uh, lots of players at this or several players at this point is you know people do know obviously know about this they do have strong feelings mm. about it um but they're not getting asked about it or it's not people aren't continuing to carry forward this story and i am reluctant in a lot of ways to to keep making it my own story i don't think it should be a one person then it starts Mm. to look more like a one person sort of crusade yeah i was Um, about to say that's when it becomes an agenda if it's constantly just you asking the story and and and, and i I, I, just as you mentioned there i was thinking about your tweet from the other day where you said that the players know about it and they are discussing it probably but they're not Mm. being asked about it by journalists so they're not going to talk about it unprompted yeah my my informal sense was that you know tennis is a small world obviously and this is a big sort of it's 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 a fairly it's a you know there's a lot of stuff loaded in this piece right and so Mm. um i think my sort of my understanding is it's really in the atp at least that every pretty much everybody would have seen it or would have been aware of it at least secondhand Mm. you know in in within day or two of it coming out before the u.s open um and so they would have known about it but people for whatever reasons of discomfort or what um and sometimes it's about it not fitting the sort of you know neat parameters they maybe want from a story about there being a court case or whatever else it may be um or being an official formal response from the atp and those sorts of things Mm. uh keep sorry you can probably hear my dog in the background um uh she's she's very animated about all this clearly um (laughs) uh yeah the the people didn't want to dig into it but i do think there is still um a lot on that side of it on sort of the cultural Mm. side of the story Mm -hmm. within the tour uh that i think Mm. can and probably should be explored yeah that's fair that's fair so you said your discomfort with it with um how people have uh um, talked about it and i would like to um briefly uh say that i saw your tweet about mary carillo Mm -hmm. did you say that she was supposed to be at labor cup um, can you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, Mary was um, contracted to be at Labor Cup to do some sort of broadcast role there. She's done it in the past. I think she was sort of an on-court interviewer in the past, maybe, for uh-huh. Labor Cup. And I don't know if she's doing some booth commentary as well. I'm not totally sure what her role is going to be. But yeah, but she was, I think, especially after uh, Labor Cup uh, in the week before the tournament was promoting Zverev and then blocking people who objected to that or who tweeted anything related to the accusations or the tweeting to the article. I think she was very uncomfortable with feeling like she was part of a, and she called it like a whitewashing or a sort of cover up of this thing mm-hmm. and didn't want to feel like she was being complicit in, in ignoring this. Yeah. Um, and so she quit or resigned and, and said, I can't do this. Bye. Yeah. Um, which takes a lot to, you know, for her to sort of sacrifice income. Um, mm-hmm. And Labor Cup, I feel it's probably a pretty good gig in terms of not a lot mm-hmm. of work for probably a good amount of money. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, to you know, 
yeah to for on this sort of principles um yeah and and mary had been somebody who had um brought it up every time she was calling a Zverev match on tv yep. um yeah both during the french open on nbc and the olympics and nbc made a longer discussion of it during the gold medal match and um sorry i still feel like you can hear my talk <laughs> and <laughs> all right yeah, um right. and uh <laughs> We love that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was it a Murray podcast show. Makes a difference from it being my kids yeah, storming in in the background. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, but so and, and she'd mentioned also she was working on the US Open World Feed uh, during the US Open and mentioned it every match there at least a bit and give people background on stuff and that, and that and that is important and that's one of the things that was interesting and maybe frustrating during the US Open was that ESPN completely, almost completely ignored it and never yeah. never mentioned anything and mm-hmm. so yeah. you got a sense i got a sense that like us open fans are a pretty casual fandom in terms of groups of people as it is in a lot mm-hmm. of grand slams honestly i mean the people who are just mm-hmm. sort of oh you know grand slams tell us go watch and have a nice night at the tennis or whatever they don't mm-hmm. they a lot of people were unaware of the story and you know i never it's tough to know i didn't know what the crowd reaction was going to be uh to zverev and this yeah. issue i had no idea that was one of the sort of unknowns for the tournament and it mm. seemed honestly pretty normal. It, it seemed pretty unaffected, which is if that's people's informed choice. Yeah. Okay. Um, if people are, I, I got the sense more of people didn't, the story didn't really reach those people. And part of mm. that is that a huge part of that is that the ESPN was never mentioning it. And the hours and hours and hours of their coverage they did during the tournament, they never, mm. they never brought it up during his matches, um, which yep. I think is a, a real sort of dereliction of, of duty uh, for them mm. on, a, on a, to the extent that ESPN is supposed to be journalistic and they do do a lot of good journalism under the ESPN auspices and the 30 for 30 stuff and now the E60 and other reporting outside the lines, whatever yeah. the other property sports center even. Um, yeah. But yeah, for, but they also have certainly brushed a lot of things under various rugs in their, in their days of, of presenting yeah. sports events. And so, yeah, I was just, I was disappointed uh, mm. and unimpressed um, by, by their handling of that. Yeah there yeah that's fair um like i think that kind of kind of kind of leading slightly on to like the kind of like uh labor cup kind of side of things and um obviously there were there have been kind of a few signs of like people are kind of like acknowledging it like um i think during wimbledon i think there was a conversation between john McEnroe on air and when he was um covering uh as very match he was he commented on um the the allegations a little bit uh and there have been a, a few other kind of like personalities on air whether or not you think that um they were the right people they were commenting on it um and then obviously the most the most recent kind of example of anybody like in a kind of like public place was the opelka incident just the other night was that just last night or the night before that last night, um, night commenting, yeah. yeah referring to it very publicly on the tennis court uh, in the heat of the moment so um what yeah what what are your thoughts on those kind of like little things like that you know aren't like really much aren't like the kind of reporting kind of in yeah. depth that you really want to see but like it, well those are it, different those are, two, yeah. those are two different things uh i think i if i remember correctly maybe there's more than one incident but the one with mackner at wimbledon i believe actually was because murray was playing basilashvili and i think they were talking ah, about basilashvili yeah, yeah. Okay, in the first round and they sort of mm. mentioned Zverev in the yes. context of basilashvili who's also been accused mm. uh who likes Zverev has yep. denied the accusations although for those cases it's pretty very different it's not really good apples yeah. to apples comparison because he's in court proceedings in georgia with his ex-wife who i think was already in divorce proceedings with um yeah 
And so it's a much different sort of, and he's been charged and I think arrested, mm. I believe arrested and out on bail, I believe. Um, yeah. and, and his sort of thing has gone very slowly, but it's a very, very different case. And, and it's mm-hmm. honestly a very different profile player too. Yeah, yeah um, for sure. And some people are trying to equate the two. I think that's usually done in pretty bad faith because there's a lot, there's just mm-hmm. very different circumstances. His were also away from tennis, whereas, yeah. whereas as uh, Oya's accusations took place, uh, she says, on tour at, at tournament yeah. hotels and stuff. So different, different uh, stories for sure. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, but then I do think that the, the Opelka incident is potentially pretty illuminating for people and, you know, mm. is not inconsistent, I'll say, with the way I've heard other players talk about it, you know, when I have talked about it to them off record. Like, they know about mm. it. They, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just say they talk about it similarly in the sort of tone and, mm-hmm. and tenor, um, mm. maybe not quite as sort of flippantly, but, um, mm. but they certainly do know it's there and they certainly do yeah see it as a elephant in the room kind of thing which is what mm-hmm. Papaka was really sort of doing in that in yeah. that comment um yeah and so I, I think the tour is not well served and the players on the tour are not well served by the institutional silence either i don't think it does mm. the players on the atp tour who are trying to you know support and promote the atp brand mm. to have the atp be so unresponsive um yeah. on this on this issue yeah that's fair that's fair and so, but it's, but it's, but it's a, it's a case of like, they're not getting asked the players too. you know, mm. there are players I'm sure who have, I, I had not spoken to Opelka about this. I did not know no, no. anything about Opelka. I, I would just say, I, I have spoken to Opelka was not one of them. Um, yeah. but, but talking to other players, like, you know, yeah, like they're aware of it and they, they think it's bad and they think something should happen about it, but it's tough, mm. but also they're in this place and it's tough. I think one of the interesting things at Labor Cup, actually, and probably coincidentally, but this is the one week on tour where Opelka can say this and then not go back to the same locker room as Zverev. Yes. Every uh, other week, yeah. they are mm-hmm. together, not necessarily mm-hmm. on a team, but at least mm-hmm. sharing space, sharing more time. This was one, a, r- a rare week where they're actually sort of in a bit more of a separated, formerly adversarial position. Um, yeah. And so players who speak out and even say minor things, you know, or yeah. um, just acknowledge the existence of this, the accusations um, mm-hmm. in less sort of pointed ways than Opelka did, um, uh, will then have to deal with the con- social consequences of going mm-hmm. back to the locker room and having to coexist with Zverev and his yeah. coach and his team and his friends mm-hmm. and whoever else it may be. It, it's, it's a lot easier sort of said than done um to do these sorts of things and that's why and yeah one per- the one person who has spoken more f- intentionally on record about this i don't know if riley really understood he'd be heard or not in that conversation mm. uh, sort of a hot mic thing on court at, at labor cup uh but what like uh ronich did uh by speaking yeah. out about it uh in the interview with rolling stone after he kind of mm. subtweeted about it previously he he sent like an eye roll emoji to espn about their coverage of yes. that mm. seems it mm-hmm. seemed like at the time during his rare match he sent that um that he yeah that he chose to um, to speak out, I thought was was pretty um, remarkable in the sense of worth remarking on. Like this was mm. different. This 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 did take um, a good amount of uh, mm. bravery. Feels like too strong a word, but it does take it. It does it does take some intention and some understanding yeah. of. I think this is worth it to do yeah. this. No, that's fair. That's fair. Is um like 
are you kind of the opinion because i saw a lot of people obviously immediately when that video was being shared kind of on twitter just the other day uh that like you've already kind of like said it was a little bit flippant from opelka to kind of like bring that up like but like i don't know from 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 my kind of personal viewpoint it's like you know he's kind of like referencing the fact that he you know he doesn't believe zverev when zverev is saying that he didn't do it right so like yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, yeah, maybe maybe you should have maybe chosen like a better opportunity to like mention it on air, but like you know, surely, surely every little helps in spreading the kind of word on the story, right? I was, like, I, I will know. say, I will say, just in terms of of being a journalist and always sort of trying to get to, you know, this is kind of pretentious for no reason, but like the sort of truth mm. of what the situation is, I think mm. that was a fairly accurate indicator of 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 the state of this story on yeah. tour like it's yeah. something is basically opelka saying you know like we all know about this yeah we all feel a certain way about it yeah. or at least i do or like i think we all feel he was sort of like you know like mm-hmm. that sort of mm-hmm. tone mm-hmm. and even yes mm-hmm. it was not done reverently or delicately per se but also like it's on court mm-hmm. like it, it just i think it was illuminating in the sort of revealing the sort of tenor of the of the conversation mm-hmm. Uh, in those moments um, in a way that we haven't gotten from really almost anybody previously. And again, largely because people aren't getting asked. And I don't know if everyone would be fully honest um, about it if they were asked, Mm. you know, and and Mm. people would be various levels of restraint, I'm sure, um, Mm. or not. But yeah, but but also people, yeah, are not going out on Twitter and saying, this is bad, we should do something, here's a link to the article. Which, you know, in other sports they would, and other sports have had much more proactive responses to this. Like, I don't know if Mm. anyone, Peter, maybe you saw the U.S. fencing team at the Olympics that had one of their fencers, you're not Mm -hmm. at this, Claire, I think you know the story, that had one of their their fencers who was, who was like their alternate on their team, who was accused Uh of uh, different assault sorts of charges. And... Um, and he was really kind of blackballed from the team for it. And they were, you know, mm. doing sort of protests of, of, I think it was more sexual assault kind of stuff from him and, uh, that he was accused of, and they were wearing, you know, ribbons or masks or something to sort of indicate yeah, support sure for, pink, for victim. Pink masks yeah. They had pink face they? masks or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. To sort of stand up, uh, for this issue. Um, and yeah, so that, so that was a very, very different response. It just shows mm. there are different ways of, and that's someone who's more formally a teammate of theirs too, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's different ways of going about it. I wondered if um, a lot of the players don't feel they're able to kind of speak out intentionally about it because the ATP itself hasn't done anything. You know, like the 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 policy that the, the I say policy in inverted commas um, yeah. that they have in place currently just has no weight whatsoever. So, I, you know, I think if 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 the ATP could get its act together and put something more stringent in place, then perhaps that would give the players more of a platform to say, well, yeah, this this policy is now in place and, and this is what I believe should happen. It's, it, it's hard to break rank, you know, with the, and this is what I sort of said earlier about the players probably feeling let down by the ATP. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard, it's not any of their jobs necessarily to be the person on top of this. And they're all aware of that. And tennis players, you know, especially in, you know, add in locker room culture and stuff are very reluctant to sort of speak out against each other on these sorts of issues for sure. Um, and to overstep their, their bounds. Um, and the, and the institution that should be responsible for sort of policing actions on its tour and in, in its hotels, according to its rules mm. is the ATP. And yeah. So when the ATP is not uh, responsive to this, yeah, the players can definitely feel 
unsupported by that or like it's not their their place or you know um or even if there's individuals you know who want to do it but would want to have a group of them do it or you know something yeah. some formal informal group do it um yeah it's uh it's yeah. uh it's it's tough yeah. for them and and but there's you know still room for more and more for and more giving players opportunities to to do that Cause i just don't think i this is the other thing about the story too that makes it tricky even i i feel my sort of sense of unfinished business is largely done now that the second story's out and i do feel that relief but it's still mm. unresolved the story but there's still there's still not a resolution to the story and i think there yeah. could be in a few ways you know in terms mm. of having an investigation i think it's the most obvious um way that it could there could be something and who knows how that investigation would go or if it would be mm. credible or, or or substantial or whatever it may be we have to wait and see for it to make those sort of assessments but that at least be something to point to saying like okay something is happening to address this and yeah here's where it all ended up yeah 100%. i think we should try and remain hopeful for 2022 that something yeah. will happen yeah for sure for sure i like i guess i kind of in in the middle of all this you have like one of the biggest kind of and newest events in the world like the labor cup happening right now has it has it been won as we've been talking or it has it, yes the yeah, europe has won the labor cup 14 to 1 <laughs> 14 to 1 wow yeah. it's sort of it's sort of amazing with labor cup looking at this weekend mm. when which, which wasn't that different lineup wise to other years really yeah that yeah. like watching this are like wow it managed to be close all the other times somehow like yeah, this time yeah. is sort of almost more what you would expect in some ways yeah. where it's like because mm. europe obviously is the center of, of power and in, in mm. men's tennis hugely mm. all the grand only there's been no non-european grand slam champion since mm-hmm. uh del potro uh yeah. in 09 uh mm. and most of the top 10 at any given point is european and there's all i think it's all european at the moment um yeah. So yeah, so it kind of makes sense um, that it would be lopsided. But yeah, this, but especially playing in the U.S., maybe you think, oh, the crowd would get kind of behind them. And the U.S. Mm. has won a lot of doubles matches in the past yeah. in it, with Jack Sock playing, honestly. And they didn't yeah. have Jack yep. Sock playing this time. Jack Sock has weirdly been like the MVP of Team World for the past three editions of Labor Cup. Mm. Um, but yeah, this time they did kind of, got kind of stomped um, yeah. and didn't win any of the doubles even. Or won one doubles. And Zverev yeah. said afterwards, that's the last point you're going to win. And that's what yeah. sparked the whole Opelka conversation. But for Zverev, sure, yes. Zverev was not wrong. So yeah. on that front, that. so uh, yeah, yeah, which is unfortunate, really. Um, yeah, like you have like an event like that. Obviously, like yeah, one of the kind of like biggest events, like uh, it, you know, in the world, like uh, blocking people on Twitter. Because Peter, Peter, you've been blocked by them, right? Is that right? Yes. So <laughs> I quote tweeted uh, them when uh, Zverev was uh, talked about. Um, and I, uh, only did a gif of, I don't know if it's a, a pageant girl or something of just like throwing up. And then I'm like, everyone else has been blocked by Labor Cup already today. Mm. And so I replied to myself, I was like, if I get blocked for this, this is going to be really like Ridiculous. crappy. Yeah. And so of course I was blocked and I wasn't meaning to or anything like that. Yeah. Um because honestly I did want to see some of the content. Yeah. Um I like a lot of the people on Team World mm-hmm. and Diego and Casper and uh others, but it was just really bad form for Labor Cup um to be blocking people. Yeah. Your thoughts on that, Ben? Yeah, I don't think that's wise. I mean, it became the I think I shared it. It was like sort of the number one story on like tennis Reddit that day, or at least my Reddit 
email that I get. I'm not a big Redditor. Um, but it was like the number one story was like, Labor Cup's blocking everybody. I got blocked by Labor Cup. And everyone chimed in and they got blocked too. Um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. one of those things where like, it just it just draws attention to it and has it completely yeah. amplifies yeah. it and, and sort of radicalized. That's probably a strong word, but you know, like, it makes people, yeah. It, it just sends the wrong messages. And they did stop doing that. They did pivot oh, yeah. and they did they did yeah. sort of stop doing Zverev at least sort of fluff content mostly um mm-hmm. and promoting him mm-hmm. that's the thing too with like the situations like obviously he's again has not been convicted of anything and this is is denied mm. every uh offered blanket blanket denials to the sort of accusations that have come against him um but there is still a choice about you know and if i'm not i've never said i think anything close that he shouldn't be able to to keep playing on tour as mm. it currently stands but Choosing to promote him in these sort of optional moments of, of making him the poster boy or, or trying to build up his brand or his presence or spotlight him, that's very mm. optional. You know, that's a yeah. choice uh, for yeah. for Labor Cup and even for the U.S. Open, let's say, mm. who, who did plenty of showcasing him on their Twitter and social media during the tournament um, yeah. while there were lots of other matches going on. And they mm. put him every match on Ash. You know, those are, those are, those are choices by them. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you you wonder if there was like a protocol in place for like their social media managers where they like, you know, block, you know, every kind of like abusive response or like, you know, even like a like, I, I don't know, because like even but like even some of the people who were getting blocked were just like just posting a link and that. So it's not even like, I don't know. I think it also looks worse in the context of the complete lack of response to anything previously when the ATP has yeah, not acknowledged sure. this. Um, yeah. And Labor Cup's not ATP, but Labor Cup also did not respond to any of my messages or Team 8 did not respond to any of my messages about this. No. Uh, mm-hmm. These stories, and again, Labor Cup was, we haven't said this, but was um, the site of one of the accusations yes. of Labor Cup Hotel was one, in Geneva yes. in 2019. Um, mm-hmm. So Labor Cup was a bit more directly involved uh, mm-hmm. than the average event. Um, yeah. so yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 it does not look, I don't think blocking, blocking looks, you know, and again, mm. I, I pro blocking it as a general rule of, mm. you know, for people, so, for individual social media of mm. yeah. not wanting to, you know, leave yourself open to abuse or whatever sort of corrosive, whatever, whatever you want to do to curate your own personal, you know, thing on there. Yeah. Great. But if mm. you're, but that does not apply to tournaments. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, in terms like... of in terms of reshaping Labor Cup, like I do think, mm. I mean, the most obvious choice, which would be a pretty big shift, and I don't know if this is what the kind of you know good old boys who started it want, would be to add women. Mm-hmm. I mean, the women's tour is far more geographically balanced in terms of Europe versus world. Um, it actually would be pretty pretty close, and it'd be an interesting group of world. would be a fascinating group to have you know Barty, Osaka, whatever various Americans are in there, Andrescu, Fernandez now. Um, yeah. you know, all the Chinese players who are, who are cropping up, like there's a, a great geographic range, um, mm. from, from world there. And then obviously the Europeans are, you know, who they are and a lot of Eastern Europeans, especially in women's mm. tennis who are doing well. Um, so that would be a compelling sort of event to have it either be a women's only event or, um, a mixed or even like alternate years or something. I don't know. Um, and then you could do something sort of more sort of hair splitty, like do like European Union versus the world to like get rid of the Russians and and and, wow. and Serbia and, and the Brits now and yeah. Brits and and Casper Norway is not EU so you could get Casper mm. um, you know it would actually that would actually be a relatively balanced thing if it was EU versus world mm. um, 
So I don't know. I mean, but but currently it does not look like this does not help its credibility as an event. This result this weekend. I mean, no. the thirty, the whatever it's gonna. I don't know if they're gonna play. Dead, they've never had Dead Rubbers before, which again is kind of remarkable yeah. that like they've gone this long. The first three were so close. Yeah, that sort of that mm-hmm. looks like more than miracle in retrospect. Yeah. Um, but I do think the team world actually has much much better. Um, like team vibes and chemistry, like the Europeans mm. don't seem to really know or, mm. or like each other that much, honestly. Whereas world just seems to be having a lot more fun, and especially this year less because they're winning not at all. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's uh, but they seem to have sort of better chemistry and stuff yeah. Like yeah. That. Team Team yeah. Europe didn't strike me as a group of guys who would hang out with each other outside of tennis. You know, you just kind no, of get that sure. vibe that mm-hmm. they would like walk past each other in the locker room and maybe be like, yeah, you know, like Rublev like, and Medvedev are friends, but that's about it. On that yeah. Team. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, even more, when they brought more, in like more... when they brought in like Cameron Norrie, like there's no way Cam's hanging out yeah. with Daniel Medvedev, like outside <laughs> tennis, like you're just backstage, yeah. like behind yeah. the scenes. <laughs> no, that's fair. Like. Did you did did you watch much of it at all, Ben? Were were you were you tuning in? No, much it was pretty. Or? It wasn't honestly. wasn't. Uh, I watched very much of this year. Um, no, I did watch a bit uh, mm. on Saturday, um, mm. but no, honestly, wasn't. I had tuned in the last few years, like to see like the end. They had dramatic finishes the last few years. Yes. Like, there was a dramatic. Yeah. In what we would have been Chicago, I guess, would have been when Federer yep. beat. I was there Federer for that. Yeah. Kyrgios in the uh-huh. which Kyrgios could have sent to overtime or something. Headache mm-hmm. on the other way, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, they've been. I think come down to the last match, the last few times on the yeah. Sunday, um, and which is it's a really really well done format in that way where they have the escalating points uh, for each mm-hmm. match uh, each day, that mm-hmm. really does build keep it competitive for longer and really does yeah. prevent should prevent blowouts like we had this year. But yeah, just mm-hmm. geographically, it's it's not, um, it's not built for uh, for competitive balance at all at the moment. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, because some because the Europeans were also all playing well too. Was like you know yeah. they didn't have number one Djokovic also on their team, but they they had Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, and Rublev who are two, three, four, five, um, yeah. and seven uh, Berrettini, um, and ten Rude. Like the the worst player quote unquote on Europe was better by ranking than the best player on on World. So yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. For so sure. so that part. So the sort of existential questions of how to change it obviously women's is the best event best idea and mm-hmm. then even yeah just like having more there's too many men's team events right out of the way like mm-hmm. we're getting into men's team event season soon mm-hmm. so we had just had labor cup davis cup will be coming later mm-hmm. this year although <laughs> excuse me there will be new fed cup as well or billy jean mm-hmm. king cup and uh and then atp cup first week of uh or in early january who knows what the state of that is with the whatever's going on in australia but yeah yeah lots of men's yeah. team events it can feel pretty pretty samey i think yeah no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I, I guess, like, yeah, like, because I, I, I generally felt relatively similar with the Labour Cup this year. Like, I haven't, I, I feel like I didn't, didn't tune in for it. And, like, I don't know, like, with the whole kind of, uh, like, I, I do feel like they, the build-up to it was all, like, Zverev is going to be there. Like, which I, I kind of, like, I, f- I felt like he was always kind of going to be there. I don't know if he has a contract with the Labour Cup or anything behind the scenes, but, like, he almost had to appear or, or whatever, but... Um, I th- I think that the like that was like kind of like he, he had the a form- story, right? He had a former like, relationship with Team Eight, who's the organ or inventor of Labor Cup previously. He was managing yeah. them, and they parted on what seemed to be relatively friendly terms. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, amid all the accusations, but does not honestly seem to be that related to them, from what I can tell. Mm. At least they have not mm. said that. 
um, mm. either side. So mm. teammate Alistair has a really bad record of client retention. Everybody leaves teammate. It seems like, um, yeah. So, um, I mean, Del Potro left, Dimitrov left, Tommy Paul left, I mean, a lot of people have left, and Azverev, they've yeah. all left teammate. Uh, it was pretty much just Federer and, and Kokolov are the ones who mm. are left there now. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, he had certainly had a relationship there. And I guess if, if he's qualified by ranking from the sort of pseudo ATP yeah. event that it is, um, sure. and rules wise, um, then yeah, then he could, I guess they kind of have to ask him not to come proactively. Like they probably, mm. it's, it's not mandatory you come, um, no, no, no. but they probably, I'm sure he gets money for being there. So he, he'd want to be there and yeah. No. Yeah. I think no, I read that, um, each player on the winning team gets $250,000 and each player on the losing team gets $125,000 plus plus an appearance fee. I mean, you think that would be their appearance fee, but yeah, I yeah. mean, it's, it's it's not a bad paycheck for a couple of days' work. Yeah, mm. especially if you're yeah. world names, you have to win matches to get $125,000. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> it's not too bad, but... um. Yeah, I'm very aware that we're kind of uh, like uh, we're we're on like an hour and a half almost like of of this episode. Yeah, so I guess we got like we'll, twenty um, more minutes for if anything else you want to like fire. That's, yeah, no, that's that's totally fine. That's totally fine. I guess uh, like we should move on to yeah some 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 lighter topics. I do believe that I think Peter, Peter, you were wanting to uh, mention. You want to uh, talk about Sloan, Sloan Peter? Sloan Stevens. Is that yes, right, Peter? Yeah, I love Sloan. Seconded. So um, <laughs> I wanted to go from the. Being blocked by Labor Cup to Sloane's epic block, block, block from her uh, Indian Wells uh, press conference. Mm -hmm. So, of course, you've had a few uh, interactions with Sloane. That was my question Um, that got the block, block, block answer. uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, uh, you had one with uh, her at Wimbledon. Um, Do you want to tell us about that? Remind me. Sorry, it's it's been. It's oh, just... so basically, um, she was being incredibly effervescent and wonderful, right. um, as uh, she is many times. Oh, yeah. um, mm. And she said that um, a lot of people shared her um, charity um, tweet, and she was like, "Thank you, Ben." Oh, that, was, that was U.S. And, Open. It was U.S. Open. Yeah, that was. I remember. Yes, yes. Oh, it was at the U.S. US Open? Open. Excuse yeah, yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, it's feels like it's been a long yeah. time now um so anyway uh yeah so uh, and then uh, she was like i like you ben until you say something crazy yeah. again or something ben, you're like, the man she until was, you like, say something walking crazy. away yeah. no and it was like that it's just great sloan, sloan i've known sloan for pretty much her whole career largely on tour um mm. and so yeah we go way back um uh, and we have sort of a fun funny sort of yeah relationship that way um so i'm definitely no not like we ever never like hanging out outside of the bounds of the press conference very rarely mm. uh-huh. but yeah certainly yeah. understand the sort of each other in the in the role there um yeah i think pretty well and yeah she she, she was like fantastic at the u.s open on court and off like actually really mm-hmm. kind of bummer that she didn't get more of a result reward for it um but mm. she played two yeah. great matches uh on ash beating madison keys in a rematch of the 2017 final and then beating uh, Coco Golf in the second yep. round, and then lose, mm-hmm. lost yeah. to Kerber. I mean, an insane draw to go yeah. Keys, Golf, Kerber first week of a Grand Slam, um, yeah. and then she would have yeah. played Fernandez in the fourth round. Um, yeah. So yeah. So, but her, she was playing really well. She's had a really. She's been much better than her ranking this year, and obviously mm-hmm. the rankings are still a bit sort of you know congealed with the the rank the points freeze and the pandemic rules mm-hmm. and stuff. But like, she's been playing well. Like, it would not be shocking to see her 
know, go out and like win Indian Wells or something this mm-hmm. year. I mean, she's been, I don't, I don't know how she loves the conditions there. It's a unique kind of tournament, but she's been playing really well. And, and, and then, yeah, it was really good on court. Um, it was a segue, uh, to your boy here, but, uh, uh, like her answer on, uh, the bathroom break stuff, um, calling everybody scammers and stuff and her whole sort of answer there. She's, yeah, she, when she's, yeah. when she's in the right mood and when she's comfortable, she can, she's one of the best, uh, figures and i think ambassadors the sport has yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i i love the okay. answer and, and and it was your question ben wasn't it um mm-hmm. about andy murray's tweet and and sloan yeah. retweeting it and I, I i loved her answer uh to that question <laughs> yeah. you know especially when she started talking about trying to go off a, a like a sweaty sports but i it just really resonated with me it's like yeah sloan knows <laughs> me and sloan have got this in common <laughs> She looked at me and she's like, which I don't think you've ever done. And I wanted to be like, you don't know my life. You don't know. I noticed that. I noticed that. Andy wears a kind of a bra sometimes. Yeah, Andy does love a sports bra. I think it's like like a chess monitor, isn't it? But it it just looks like a sports bra. Whatever he says, sure. Yeah, but it's a bra. Yeah, Yeah, it it totally is. I've showed um, I've showed this my I've showed this my husband. I'm like, you should wear this when you go running, and he's like, is it a bra? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> of course it's a bra. <laughs> of course it is. Obviously, obviously. Yeah. Um, should we should, should we talk about Andy a wee bit? Yeah, let's talk about Andy. Of course, it's yeah. the yeah. things. Come on, that's what people uh, came for. For shall we talk about Andy? Um, what um, like when's he gonna win a Grand Slam again, Ben? Like, what's oh, just go there. Like, um, <laughs> Next year, Australian yeah. Open. <laughs> Is he gonna win the Australian Open? No, like, we, we've a, I've got uh, an agreement. I have got an agreement going on with a Djokovic super fan on uh, Twitter that that Andy is getting the Australian Open if Novak gets uh, Wimbledon, and I'm fine with that. It's it's a deal with the devil, but I am fine with it as long as Andy yeah. gets to win the Australian Open. <laughs> yeah, Andy certainly has put in the work at the Australian Open over the years to have deserved one in the past. Um, yeah, he played really well in New York. Like, yeah. it got buried, mm-hmm. obviously, or kind of flushed by everything else that happened in that <laughs> in that match. But but mm. he but he played really well. He was he was going toe to toe with Tsitsipas and beating him for three sets. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the two mm-hmm. set the fourth and fifth were fairly close. Obviously, Tsitsipas mm-hmm. got an early break and stuff. And and Murray said that in his sort of his last answer, like it's frustrating. You know, we're not talking about how. And granted, obviously, he was one who made it such a topic in a lot of ways. But yeah. um, we're not talking about how. You know, while I'm playing after four years and all the surges and everything I've been through, that we're talking about this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But he did play really, really well um, in that yeah. match. It was definitely the best he's played in in years, mm-hmm. and um, much better than Wimbledon. Or Wimbledon, he was pretty scrappy. I felt, felt like, but at, yeah. at the at the U.S. Open, he was just playing well. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see how he does the rest of the season. He's playing San Diego. Um, mm-hmm. Going to play Indy Wells, which is another tough tournament for him historically. He's not that well at Indy Wells uh, compared to other hardcore yeah. events. So yeah. yeah, so we'll see how he he does. I'm not sure what else the tour would hold. Probably mm-hmm. he'll probably play. I guess he'd probably go back and play Bercy and Vienna or those event, sorts he's, of events. He's down to yeah. play Antwerp, isn't he? He's going to play. Okay, sure. He's, Antwerp, he's, yeah. he's yep. got a wild card, hasn't he, for European Open? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's sort of closing, and he's, he's on the cusp of getting direct entry to the Australian Open. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not that he wouldn't he get a wild card there, um, mm-hmm. but I'm sure he would like to get in direct to these events. He's getting pretty close. He's ranked like. 110-ish now so yeah that's yeah. right about the cut yeah i think like 
what's so interesting about him recently like is uh, <clears throat> some of his quotes and how varied and how wild and how kind of all like all over the place he seemed to be a little bit emotionally like you've already referenced kind of uh, the answer at the end of his loss after uh, after Wimbledon like yep. he was kind of very very down about that uh, and like even but like this week he he loses and he's quoted as saying um that uh, the top 100 isn't his goal it's top 10 uh that is his goal yeah. and all he cares about is winning and i'm like this is like old school Andy murray now mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is like yeah. we're going back to like the haiti it's not I think about, just like, kind of how like champions are yeah. wired though like i thought i saw this with one that i did see during labor cup or i saw it on social media at least was an interview that federer mm. did there um yes. and he was talking yeah. about how wimbledon fell so far short of his expectations of what mm-hmm. he wants and it's like he made the quarters at Wimbledon like you did pretty mm-hmm. good at Wimbledon you know yeah. but most, one of the last eight players standing there for a lot mm-hmm. of other people that's a career result um, yeah but when you're calibrated to expect yourself to be in the final and getting match points at least in the final mm-hmm. um, you know you you want more and yeah and, and Andy's certainly that way it's it's pretty hard and that's why people who do do this are sort of remarkable people like Leighton Hewitt who went mm-hmm. from being a top number one player slam winning double slams winning player and a top tenor mm-hmm. for longer than that um to then kind of being not content but like able to exist being like a sub top 100 player for that long i found that like yeah. that was really unique and sort of mm-hmm. strange honestly that he was so willing to grind for relatively meager payoff for like mm-hmm. a good decade of his last part of his career um Mm-hmm. maybe in the same way put Venus Williams in a bit of a similar category as someone else who was a, a great player and who is, and she's yeah. come much closer than Leighton did. I mean, she made two yeah. Grand Slam finals in 2017, um, has had other good results, um, but uh, but has had to have a lot of results that were way below what she'd want or what she's had become used to early in her career. Um, mm-hmm. And Andy doesn't, doesn't want that, but it's also not, which is why it made some, his, answer Wimbledon to me and, and that press conference rang sort of true like yeah this is not if this is like if what you're gonna if what you're capable of doing is training really hard and then getting blown out by Shapovalov in the third mm. round um then maybe that's maybe that's not worth it to you um yeah but but also like I think that tournament maybe it maybe helps to see how well Dennis played for the rest of that tournament um yeah he, he destroyed Bautista Gut, I think, in the next round, and then yeah. made made semis and, and played pretty. pretty well in that semi against Djokovic. Didn't win a set, but played pretty well. We um, were there. Me and Claire were yeah. there for it. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So maybe that sort of stuff. The same way that like I wonder this is a side topic, but like if Damian mm. feels better about her U.S. Open after Layla Fernandez makes the final. Yeah. You know, when she, that's who she lost to in the third round. It might seem like mm. a really bad loss at the time. It doesn't look as bad in retrospect. Mm. Um, so. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it's tough to know what Andy will be satisfied with and what's worth, and with Federer too, um, yeah. and and putting it all in this camp too. I think they're all kind of in similar boats in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. What sort of level there is is worth it to them? You know, at this at this stage yeah. of their career, like and and you could just see with Andy at the U.S. Open, he was having so much fun. Match, he was yes. so engaged yeah. in that match. He was yes. so present, just loving being out there, like on a big stage, competing mm-hmm. and beating the world number three. Um, yeah. 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 And, and, and getting to be salty about it too. I mean, like those were, <laughs> those were emotions that he, that he would have loved and there's nothing else in his life that's going to give him that sort of feeling no. again. You know, so to give that up is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if, you know, from the outside, it's like, this looks like a lot of pain and work um, for mm-hmm. something in terms of winning a grand slam that people, a lot of people would think is probably pretty unlikely. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's tricky. 
I, I am. As he said, pretty much, he's not done yet. Mm. And I believe he's about 17 wins away from uh, the 700 yep. Club. Yes. Um, so club so 700 wins or so. Mm. Do you think he cares about uh, that? So I... I yeah, I think, oh, I think come he does. on, Ben. Yeah. Surely uh, I, he cares. Well, one of those things, I think, as someone was saying this in, who was it saying? I think it was Roddick actually saying it on TV. That, like, tennis doesn't do enough, like, celebrating those. I think it was someone, like, Malfeast hit, like, 500 or something wins recently. Uh -huh, and they were yeah. saying, like, tennis doesn't do a good enough job of, like, making those sorts of achievements, like, big deals. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. When mm -hmm. those, like, really reward longevity and sort of being a great player over time. But I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if players are motivated by those sorts of things. I know, like, Venus Williams has been stuck on like, 49 titles forever. People wanted to get title number 50. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, yeah. She's been stuck on 49 for, like, four years. But, maybe, um, ma yeah. maybe it's one of those things where, like, later on in their careers, it's, like, where, and, what, like, the... the I just don't, I don't, I don't know. Philosophically, I don't know if there's a big difference between 680 and 700. I, I'm not sure there is. Um, he's still a pretty good tennis player either He said way. something in a <laughs> press conference about that. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, if I'm not he mistaken. Did say he, wanted to, he did say um, he wanted to get to it. I, I've got... I've got such mixed feelings over things just now with Andy because I I I totally get what people are saying about oh you know he he wants to be playing at like the slam level consistently he wants mm -hmm. to be playing the big tournaments and so he doesn't you know like Scott was saying for example in in last week's mm -hmm. pod with Peter that he doesn't think Andy gives it his all on like the Challenger tour. For example, he's not fully hmm. motivated, and yeah, that, that's, I, a that's a better word. I yeah. I've got I've got mixed feelings over this as well because I'm like, if this is how he feels, if he feels he's sort of like, if he feels the Challenger Tour is beneath him, which I'm sure many people think the Challenger Tour is beneath him, but I feel like if Andy's got that mindset, he needs to drop it because. The Challenger Tour right now is where he can, okay, they're marginal points, but it's where he mm. can potentially work and build up points. And he doesn't care, like, on a Challenger Tour, he probably doesn't care about the trophy. He doesn't, certainly wouldn't care about the money. But it's like the points are the most important thing for Andy right now. And the wins. I think just winning matches. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and yeah. having that and, consistency. And getting the match yeah. Also being able to enter tournaments without wild cards. I, I'm sure exactly. at some point it's getting, that he's sick of, getting, of, of needing wild cards. And yeah, he doesn't need a lot of wild cards. Getting and yourself so, back into the top 100 and pushing that so you don't have to rely on the wild cards, but also to get yourself to a position where you're no longer guaranteed to be facing someone like Pass in round one. Because... Yeah. Yeah. You're you're consistently going to come up against those players in round one of the big tournaments unless mm. you're a little bit higher ranked. So I kinda I, I kinda want to give Andy a bit of a shake and be like, I know you don't <laughs> like it, I know you don't like playing these challenger level matches, but these are what's gonna help you get your points back up and you know just I was stick I was it stick the, it up and get it I done. I was looking at the rankings the other day and saw that I'm not sure exactly yeah. That Benjamin Bonzi is now number sixty-one yes. in the yeah, rankings. Yeah, he has yeah, flown yeah. up the rankings in the past month after winning because so many he won three challengers, challengers. and so yeah. he went from like one eleven to sixty-one, which is a big mm -hmm. jump. That's like that's like getting closer, not quite, but getting closer to like you know direct into Masters events, um, yeah. and that's like more like top forty-five, but like still like that's huge for a guy who'd never been top hundred before to suddenly change his mm -hmm. career and to get guaranteed entry into all four slams. And stuff mm -hmm. and not a lot not a player people would have seen very much um mm -hmm. at this sort of level but yeah but you uh -huh. can you can you can really skyrocket pretty quickly and obviously like what karatsev did 
in the past year yeah. is, is crazy. And that was that started a bit at Challengers and obviously really accelerated at the Australian Open, but it did start a bit yeah. at Challengers. Yeah. Does he does he does he get inside the top 10 again then like come on like i know last time we asked you we asked you for predict and you were like you said something along the lines of you just hope that he you know enjoys being on court again etc etc but yeah right now i'm asking you does he get what he wants does he get top 10 in the world i think if he's gonna do it i think he has to do it with it's also hard with the with the ranking system the way it is now because people yeah. aren't losing points, and so it's harder to get in top ten than it was previously. I'll put that mm-hmm. out there, but I think you have to do it with like a couple of like really like kind of lightning bolt results, doing okay. something like making an Indian Wells final, making mm-hmm. an Australian Open deep run, you know, yeah. rather than just sort of being a uh, you know um, a Rublev, let's say, who's in there just kind of racking up like. 250s, 500s, like quarterfinals yeah. and slams, like and making and he Rubio's number five, so he's well into top five, ten. Yeah, yeah. But for sure. um, but even someone like Felix, let's say, who hasn't really had like the big results, who's number eleven currently, but does, mm-hmm. hasn't really had like the super big individual results. Um, mm-hmm. I did make a US Open semi, but um, yeah, I think he would have to do it that way. I don't, I don't, and it goes for like Federer too. Like, and people ask about will Federer be number one again? Like Federer and Serena definitely not going to be number one again. They're never going to play the schedules that you have yeah. to play to get there. Mm-hmm. Um. And I don't think any will quite want it. If he starts winning, I think he'll pull back his schedule. If he's going deep in Australia, he's not going to immediately mm-hmm. fly and play, you know, Marseille and Montpellier and yeah, yeah. and Rotterdam. Like he'll play maybe like just Rotterdam in that sort of part yeah. of the schedule. Um, yeah. So uh, I would say I had to guess. I would probably say no, but I I do think that if he's going to do it, like I do think he the U.S. Open did show a lot in terms of what his best still can be, you know, like that he still has world beating tennis in him that, yeah. you know, Sitsipas was one of the best in the world and playing mm-hmm. pretty well. And I didn't play amazing that match, but was playing pretty well going to that tournament at least. And, um, yeah. And then mm-hmm. Murray was competitive, was right there with him physically. Um, yeah. I think it should give him a lot of, a lot of hope, but yeah, I also, yeah. I also just don't know. It takes a lot of time and during who knows what COVID restrictions will be to be away from family mm-hmm. for this long, like, Will he want to play the kind of full-time schedule you need to play to be a top tenner? Um, yeah. Like, it's crazy that Serena hung around the top ten as long as she did on the women's side. For sure. Like, playing such a small schedule. Now she's well outside of it, but yeah. that she did hang on as long as she did with playing a really part-time schedule. Because she was making, like, slam semis and finals repeatedly. Sure. And so yeah. that's, the, that's kind of more the path I would think Andy would take. Not quite as mm-hmm. extreme as Serena, uh, schedule-wise. But, yeah, something that's mm-hmm. built around a couple big results rather than Casper rooting about to... You know, mm-hmm. Gestad, Bostad, and whatever mm-hmm. else he's picking up his two fatigues at. <laughs> so, so but, but agreed, is... he needs to win Indian Wales. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what we're hearing from you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, which again, he can. Like, if you told me, you know, especially like a couple hours into that tournament, he's already on court. Like, oh, there'll mm. be a British Wimbledon champion. Like, I would have absolutely thought it'd be Andy Murray, For not sure, Raducanu. Yeah. But you know, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you just you never know. Crazier things have happened than Andy Murray getting back inside the top ten. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess yeah. So what we're hearing is he's yeah, he's definitely going to do that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, I I, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a fair expectation to put on him to make it seem like it's a it's a disappointment if he doesn't do it, which is what I feel uh-huh. like saying I expect him to mm-hmm. would be. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he still has the capability. I think the sort of the level of men's tennis is still mm-hmm. not insurmountable below yeah. um 
after Djokovic, and Djokovic is is aging. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think there's 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 space. I think this is mm-hmm. yeah not the strongest ATP top tens ever been, and so yeah, yeah so there, there there's room for him to make make moves for sure. It's a weird. Yeah. It's really weird that Federer is still in the top ten. Yeah, and I don't yeah. even believe people are like, oh, it's like a Federer conspiracy. Like he doesn't care about being top ten. He doesn't need to be in the top ten. What is that helping him at all? It's not playing. But yeah, like, it's yeah. just weird that he's played so little and he's still top ten. That is weird. Yeah, yeah. And it, as yeah. you said, the rankings are congealed. Yeah, so they're they're sure. weird. That's that's a nice word. Uh, how I feel about them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I think what Andy really needs to do is start taking sets off Hubert Hurkacz. Oh, uh, yeah. he's been there. <laughs> I'm just, I am really, one. I am really no pleased that he won Masail Open, though. So like, I, I'm, so I'm, I'm really pleased sure, that he, sure. you know, he, he consolidated that win against Andy by actually going on to win the tournament. For sure, for sure, absolutely. Like, I was, I would have been disappointed if he hadn't, right, after that, after that defeat. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, do we have a, yeah, I'll keep, yeah, just glance at the time there. Is there any final questions for the Ben Rothenberg? Uh, one, one more time on this episode of uh, Murray Musings that we... That we yeah, have I have a question. Mm-hmm. Will, will you follow me on Twitter? <laughs> oh, that's a big one. That's a big one. I don't, what's your, I don't even know what your name is on Twitter, Claire, actually. I will, I will tweet you. I'm at Brooksy Bradshaw on Twitter. So I'll tweet you and you can follow me. I love it. I'll consider the offer. <laughs> consider the uh, offer. It's an offer. As, very as exclusive as, club. As, I always, I always uh, keep it under a thousand dollars to kick people off. It's like, like, a one I in, mean, one out policy. So if, follow, I, if I add you off to kick somebody Scott? out. No, he doesn't. No. <laughs> I don't even follow Peter, I don't think. Do I have Peter? Do I, follow? I don't think I even follow you. Uh, no, you don't, but I did not want to. <laughs> but that's okay. Yes, yeah, it's, like, it's tough. It's, not right. it's tough. I, I need to. I should go through and do like a call of people. Of like, I, 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 will, I always say this. Like, I want to go through. I've done it before. But go through and get rid of like a lot of people I don't need. Um, in there, just get rid of three and then just yeah, or yeah, even yeah. or even two. Like you, you don't need to follow Scott. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, to be honest, I would understand. I'm honestly, messy on Twitter. Like, you I would don't understand. Need to follow me. <laughs> Just follow Claire. She's the uh, she's the cam. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess yeah, I guess this this wraps up. Uh, ben Rothenberg returns episode of Murray Musings. Um, I hope I hope you enjoyed your your return, Ben. How? Oh, like, it's lovely. How, yeah, like you feel, you feel, do you feel like cleansed after? Like I feel like I spent and... a lovely time in a Parisian coffee house with you, Scott. It <laughs> was, it was, it was restorative <laughs> and cultural, and yeah, so the lights were getting darker. It was just fading. It was like a Sinead O'Connor video. It was, it was. People can see the, the effects here, but it was, it uh-huh. was fantastic. Uh, so, so thank you very much for that that cinematic uh, experience on this Zoom. And uh, yeah, had a good we, time. Thanks we... for having me. Yeah, we hope you'll be back. Um, and yeah, like last words, last words on the the the, the bigger thing that we did talk about. Uh, yeah, good good work on the on the article, Ben. That was, that oh, was really you. good. Good work on the two articles, and uh, yeah, hopefully there is some kind of result from it soon. Um, and yeah, thank you all very much for tuning in to yet another episode of Murray Musings. Um, this has been Scott. He's been Peter. She's been Claire. And that right there has been Ben Rothenberg. <laughs> Thank you very much for, for listening, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. See you.